Well, this morning, um, I want you to write a question on your worship guide. Can you do that? It's not in your notes. Hey, we're just going to have fun with this. It's kind of, I like this format. This is good. Um, what, write down this question. What would make your life better? What would make your life better? Now, I just want you to think about it. What would make your life better? Well, you know, new car. Hey, transportation period. Some food. Uh, a house. An education. A wife. A husband. A child. Some clothing. Some health. But most of us wouldn't say, uh, hey, uh, how about some electricity? How about some water? How about a flushing toilet? This house that we built, there are beautiful edifices for the king. And it's only about, Justin, am I right? About 320 square foot, is that right? Would you agree with that, uh, Adam? About 320 feet. Really small. 40 people gathered in the house for dedication and another 30 or 40 probably joined us outside before we went in the house. Uh, we were able to raise up money and give away uh, a bed for the wife and bunk beds for their kids. You know, they'd never been except in one room. And this house is beautiful, and it had some accessories and curtains, and we just had a great time. But you know what? When we left there, and man, it was like, if you saw, and y'all saw in the video in weeks past what they lived in, and yeah, it's probably the most beautiful house I've seen. Every time we build them, they're just beautiful. But you know, Becky or somebody said, you know, but guess what? This didn't have, uh, or maybe it was uh, somebody on the team. This didn't have flushing toilets. This didn't have power. This didn't have water. This didn't have air conditioning. This didn't have a lot of those luxuries that we just take for granted. And yet God showed me that his heart's always been for the poor. I want you to hear this principle. In the Old Testament, God talks to the Jewish nation about trusting him. And one of the things God would say was, Israel, you're blessed for a purpose. Israel, you're blessed for a reason. Israel, you are blessed to be a... Hmm, I don't think we got this truth in. We are blessed to be a... That's the only reason we're blessed, is to bless the heart of God. And somebody once said this, America will be held responsible for the financing of the Great Commission because of all the incredible wealth. This morning, it's interesting that I sit in a chair, because when I went to my shower this morning, it was so fun to lather up. I know you're going, well, you don't usually use soap, Pastor? We didn't think you stink. Well, if you go to Mexico, the water is such consistency, you just don't lather. And this morning with lather and you know, nice shower and getting out, and I didn't wear my flip-flops in the shower. Praise you, Jesus. I had a flip-flop blowout the other morning about 4.30. That was fun. Anyway, but then I walked in, and after I'd done some things, I walked into the family room, and I sat down in a chair. I don't know how many chairs I got in my house. I got a bunch of chairs and a bunch of stuff to sit on, and probably you do too. And they don't have one chair in that house we just built. Not one. But I've never seen the joy of Jesus greater than in that house. They didn't have flat screen TV. I mean, if they had flat screen or TV, what would you plug it into? I mean, you know, we had plugs. They just had no power. But I just started thinking about, man, we're blessed to be a blessing. We store up. We hoard. We, 
if we're not careful, 39 parables in the New Testament, 11 deal with money with our heart. But look at the top of your outline. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you as well. But seek his heart, seek his kingdom. Our family this week taught us about seeking the heart of God, pursuing him, praying, believing. I met with a different pastor than Pastor Hoel, and the other pastor said, our church, only 128 people, this year we'll probably have five to seven families in our churches. This year we'll get homes. What a great strategy. Could you imagine if Christ Community could begin to build homes in Montgomery? Just a concept. Okay. Hey, let's look here at our notes together. Let's just think about it. God wants to be first. I hope today when you look at that first things first, if you don't hear anything I said, your heart got struck, your heart got moved by video. If it didn't, I'm concerned. But I hope you think God wants to be first. The trust series. It's only two weeks. This is week two. God wants first place. Listen, number one. God doesn't need our money. He wants what it represents. The Father really doesn't need our money. Now, the church might need your money to stay in existence, keep the doors open. But God is more interested in what it represents. And our money, our treasure, represents our heart. It reflects where we are. It reflects our passion. It shows the fruit of our labor. Uh, I've read these statistics, and I read them again this week, and it said this. The average Christian in America gives between 2.5 and 3% of their income to the local church. The last time I checked, 2.5 and 3 is not 10. Would you agree? Not even close. And I don't have the exact numbers here, but I know this. Over half our body doesn't tithe. At least half. And I think it's growing. And God's just calling us to trust, to reflect our heart, to put him there. Look at the second point. He will do his work with you or without you. See, we can get in on the plan of God or we don't have to get in, but God's, God's will will not be thwarted. God's will will prevail. It, it will get in. And it's like we get to tell his story. This morning, his story got told on film, powerful medium. But we tell his story about how we live and reflect our heart to the world. And that's why I love missions. That's why I was so passionate when we started Christ Community. I remember as Don and I sat and talked and prayed and shared with some early people in the early days. We said, let's be a great commission. We said actually commission, church. And we said, let's set aside 10% the tithe as a church. And we'll get that, that back into missions and outreach. And we've done that. So now well over a million dollars that's just come through here, not counting all the money that goes out of this body into causes we don't know of. And God just says, that's just a, a little reflection of my heart. But get in on my story. Look at the third point. I love this. The testing of our faith brings defining moments. When God tests your faith and mine, it defines who I am. Not who I say I am, but who I really am, who I'm purposing to be. Tithing has always been an act of obedience. It's always been an act of faith that I get outside, you get outside of your world, and you begin to tap into what God's got. And this week, I keep reflecting on the story, but it's where I am. It's where some of us are. It's where all of you have been praying, and we're thankful for that. But God has been defining some hearts. He's defining our church to be a Great Commission church. Let me, let me just tell you this. I'm going to get real practical. Is that okay? This chair, I, I'm, I'm really loving it, but I feel like I'm kind of, but you know. Okay, here it is. When, when we give, we build churches. When we give, people go. When we give, missionaries get paid. When we give, the hungry get fed. This week, I sat in the house with your team of Nathan and Charity Alpert. 
And he thanked us over and over. We paid $6,000 last year to pay the mortgage for the year. $6,000. It's a beautiful home. If you couldn't get a house here, it'd be several hundred thousand. But, and it, it's not like, I don't want you to think it's perfect. It's got, you know, it's got challenges, but it's a beautiful place. It's right there off the dirt road. But this year, I just believe that our church can pay the mortgage again. What do you think, church? And here's how we give it. I, I don't want you to send money to them. I want you to tithe because see, we've already, I mean, I want you to send money to them that God gives. That's above. That's a free will offering. But bring your tithe here. And part of what we do is we built that uh, home, but we will pay their mortgage again if our church continues to be faithful. I mean, that's just a tangible way a man that used to serve in this church and his wife served our kids. And when we give, God gets glorified and they're touching hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people for Jesus. And I want to be a part of their story and the gospel story. How about you, church? When you give, you're part of the story. You're like, I ain't giving nothing. I'm spending on me. Well, you got a bigger problem than I think, man. Tap into God. Fourth, if I had more, I would give more. I hear that all the time. If I had more, you know, if I had what you had, if I had what she had, if I had that, I would give it. You would not. Let's just go ahead and get out of the way. You would not. I, I meet wealthy people. I meet poor people. And I find poor people give better than most rich people. And I love it when rich people give, and I love when poor people give. But when we give, we glorify God. But if, well, if I had more, I would give more. No, you wouldn't. You'd just get a bigger car, a bigger house, a bigger boat, a bigger something. You're saying, well, I ain't getting too excited about your preaching right now. Why don't you go back to something else that stirs my heart, makes me cry? I want you to write down something. Begin where you are. Teenager, college student, single, widow, widower, married, double income, single income, Make 2000 5000 50000 500000 I don't care what you make. Bring it in. Bring in the tithe to the storehouse, and let's see what God can do as we tell the story. And the church said, amen. Isn't that an awesome concept? Listen to this. In Mark 12, 41 through 44, man, this, this, is, this is really good. When, when you look there at, uh, at, at Mark, you just see, listen to what it says. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worthy only of, of a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more in the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything, all she had to live on. The people were shuffling around, doing their life as usual, Let's hurry up and give a donation quick. Let's don't let it cost. There were probably some hypocrites sitting over the wall watching about what people were putting in the plate. And Jesus knew. Jesus notices her. I want you to write down a couple of sub points. Jesus knows the poor. He knows their condition. He knows where they hurt. He knew that she had worn out sandals. He knew that she had need. I'm embarrassed to tell you, I've got so much, but most of you have so much too. This trip, Don and I got to do some things that we had never been able to do, and it, it just felt good. We took more stuff. It looked like we were a bunch of pompous, luxurious Americans when we went down there. You, we got this suitcase. It looks like a small car could fit in it, at least a little child. And we took it full of possessions to take to their home and clothing. And I came back a lot lighter, and so did our team. And we just gave away and gave away. Now, we didn't come home in our boxer shorts. I don't want you to think we were seen or anything. But we were just giving away everything we had, man, hats, clothes, towels, sheets, 
whatever. It was, it was just fun. And it was fun opening the suitcases last night. And there wasn't much in there. It was, I was like, hey, God, that's cool. Man, we were giving jeans. We were giving, and man, it was, it's just fun to give. Did you know it is fun when you give? And the church said, now, I don't want you to sit up a pile of jeans in the floor today. That would be a little weird. But I do want you to begin to give where you're at. I mean, man, God's into this. This woman's poor. And I want you to write down another concept under that. Jesus knew the widow struggled. And somebody in this room right now needs to hear that. Jesus knows you're struggling. He knows you're struggling financially. He knows you're struggling emotionally. He knows you're struggling relationally. I don't know. He knows you're struggling physically. But Jesus cares about the poor, and he knows where we struggle. And I just give grace and honor and praise and thanks to God. How about you, church? He knows where you struggle. So whatever it is today, you have need of him. This woman, you know what she does? She gives all that she might be dependent on him. She just gave it all, and she got dependent. Let's move, number five. Our, fir our first fruits must be offered. It's really an agricultural term because for us, I mean, I've never been paid with uh, vegetables and fruit, but if we lived in that kind of society or in this day, you know, man, that, that would be awesome. That's why they paid. Like uh, when we were the Sias family, you, you ought to see, I mean, these people had nothing, nothing. And they fed us team. Did we eat like we've never eaten? I mean, man, your pastor, I've gained back everything I lost on the fast. So our mission team's going on another fast. Just kidding. But it was, man, it was just like, and, and they would come out, and they would give us stuff, and they would give us stuff. I mean, it was just amazing. And, man, the best Mexican food you've ever had. And on the last day, they had this big trash can full of cold drinks for us. They gave sacrificially, and it's humbling. So God, I knew I'd stand up in a minute. So God wants us to do that. Uh, look at Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, your vats will brim over with new wine. In other words, when you give, it just flows, and it overflows. Number six, the tithe must come first. Now, I talk about this in a lot of different settings, and some people get it, and some don't get it, and some want to get it, and some just are not getting it, but maybe they will today, I don't know. But um, in Leviticus 27:30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy unto the Lord. The Lord just wants us to bring in our tithe, to bring in our first fruits, and honor Him and begin to make Him first. So one of the things that, that I see here is that we begin to just develop a budget. We develop a spending plan. We begin to honor God with our spending, and we put Him first. And Proverbs 22, 7, just write it down, about avoiding debt. We begin to avoid debt in our life. I'm not saying debt's a sin, and we've all got some debt levels. Some in here have some incredible debt levels, and that's one reason you don't give. But God says, get into my plan. It's, it's really impossible to call Jesus Lord and not let Jesus get into your checkbook. It, it really is. I mean, it's that, this woman, this widow that we remember a few thousand years later, I mean, she gave out of her poverty, and and she just considered Jesus first. I need that example for my life. Number seven, giving is a spiritual transaction, and it's an act of faith. It, it is a transaction with the Almighty God, and somehow when we give, it translates to our heart because that's where we find our treasure. And in, in Malachi 3.10, it says, bring the whole tithe. Bring it, bring it, bring it into the storehouse. Trust God. Let him throw open the floodgates of heaven that you won't contain a blessing that he has for the church. 
And there won't be blessing and room enough. And I just think, God, what could you do if we really begin to take this seriously? God, 100% of what we have. Lord, we give you everything, but you expect to be first. God expects to be first. He, he's a jealous God. So here's what I'm asking this morning. There's a next step for every one of us in this room. There's a next level. Nathan and I set out Thursday night. No, Friday night. Friday night. I'm, is it Sunday? Okay. All right. Whatever day it was. I think it was Friday night. And we began to talk about next level. I preached a message in here a few years ago. Next step, next level. Nathan came up to me after the service that day. He says, Pastor, you preached that message for me. And somehow I had in there tithing and giving and serving. He said, I needed that. And I'm thinking, well, you already give and you serve like I don't know what. And you do this and this. He says, next level, next step. God's calling me in charity to a next step. And uh, that next step was to go on the mission field. But he told me something sitting there Friday night was interesting. He says, Pastor, he goes, you know, I thought this was the ultimate to go to Mexico and to sow everything you have and move your family to Mexico. And I'm thinking, man, that is sacrificial. And the church said, hey, say it louder. He wants to hear this. And the church said, Amen. thank you, Nathan. We love you, buddy. But he said, you know what? There's a next step. He says, I thought as a missionary that was the ultimate. God says, oh, no, that's just the beginning, son. We, we got another step and another step. And how many of you have found out that you never reach all the steps in Jesus until he calls you home? You always got another level. So God's just calling us through our missionary friend to trust him. Number eight, in life we always need to realize that whatever we put ahead of God slowly becomes our God, little g. If I put something ahead of God, it really is my God. Now, I might not sing to it. I might not say I worship it, but worship is what I pay honor and allegiance and my time and energy and passion and sacrifice and what I talk about most. And we, we had a big discussion. Some of the guys will tell you, man, we, uh, Rick Treese was leading us in a, a, a lot of spiritual discussions. But the other day we had a little frivolous discussion, didn't we, Rick? And what was it? It was about some team. They're, they're really good. They won a few championships. University of Alabama, we talked about football. And we just began to talk about, and you know what we've learned? If we're not careful, we can make a God out of anything, can't we? But God wants to be God. So we do inventory. We ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts. And we say, God, there are no idols before you. You are Jehovah. But then I want you to turn to a last passage. I want you to turn over to 1 Kings. And uh, as, as you turn there this morning, you, you'll see uh, just a great story. Can you go ahead and get that first part of the verse there on the screen for me, Bob, in 1 Kings? And as you look there, this is a, this is a great story. It's one of my favorites. 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm sorry, I, I hadn't got there ahead of time. I didn't cheat. So I'm, uh, uh, here we go, 1 Kings. Yeah, it's a great story. Picking up there in about verse 8. Ready? It's the widow at Zarephath. And then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon, and I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a, a bite of bread, too. Now, I want you to just stop there. This woman's poor, guys. She's a widow. She's really getting ready to have her last meal and die. And here's this prophet. He's asking her in verse 12. But she says, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. 
and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar, a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug, and I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. And how many of you go, this is a sad situation. I mean, man, this is pitiful. In verse 13, but Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Now I'm looking at it going, now Elijah, you're a little bit full of yourself. Man, yeah, you're being pompous. You're taking, that's like me going to Mexico telling her, Cecilia, Martin, I need some food. Now, I don't want you to have any food, but I need some food. Like, man, you know, that's crazy. Look, look at this. It says, and then you use what's left to prepare our meal for yourself. Like there's going to be anything left over. And you and your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your container until the time when the Lord sends the rain and the crops grow again. So she did, write the word out there, obey. She obeyed. She did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Now, I, I get pretty fired up about that story. I mean, here's, you know, we talk about the widow's might, and she gave out of her poverty, she gave all that she had. And in this story, what do you see? The widow was chosen specifically by God to care for the needs of the prophet Elijah. And you know what she does? She, dem- she shows you and I a principle. I'll write it in your notes. She demonstrates openness. She declares, I am poor. I don't have anything really here to give. I mean, she's not trying to cover it up or trying to hide it. She just basically says, hey, I'm destitute. I'm in, tough, in a tough place. And Elijah there, or the scripture says in verse 13, Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. This morning, that is a word for us. I'm begging you by the mercy of God that we see a turnaround in our finances, that you trust God and not your ability and to put God first and watch God do his miracles in your finances. And the church said, Amen. I mean, I I just believe our church has got so much more to do. And when we're faithful, God allows us. So here's a thought. Write it down. Empty the jar. Just empty the jar. Somebody's supposed to be moving on that. Okay. Empty the jar. Before I fill it, you've got to empty it. I surrender my jar to Jesus. Are you willing to surrender here? Are you willing to let him dig new wells or you're willing to hang out with him and allow him to do new things so god gives her an opportunity to prove her faith so here's what i'd say to you and i don't ever say to god god i have too little to give if you do go back to first kings and read about the widow if anybody had too little it's her it's not me it's not you it's her and yet she's um, encouraged exhorted don't be afraid trust god and she does so she leverages what she has for the glory of god and that's all i'm asking you i'm not asking you to do anything that i don't do or that many of you don't do i'm asking us together as a faith community that we begin to leverage for the glory of god and we begin to do things that we've never done because we're faithful to christ so here it is has god spoken today has god spoken today he is speaking to hearts. Some of you don't like it. Some of you do like it. Some of you don't. Well, then, then wrestle with the scripture. Begin to talk to God. Let's just bow our heads together. Father, this morning, I trust that you have spoken by your powerful, authoritative word. And I believe that you're working conviction even in this room. Father, I pray that you would speak to every heart about next level, next step, obedience, tithe, 
uh, free will offerings. God, and somewhere in here, I pray, Father, that we would receive your word in our spirits and we would respond to what you say. Father, we praise you for the privilege to partner with the Alfreds in Mexico. We praise you for the opportunity to be givers and to serve you and to be part of your eternal kingdom. Father, show us the pathway to Christ, to more of Christ and less of me. Jesus, break every chain that holds us back this morning from giving. You are a faithful God forever and ever. Surrender what you have. Empty the jar and let Jesus fill your container with himself. We're going to sing this morning as we come to an end. And this morning, as we get ready to do that, Nathan presented me a hammer the other day. I've got a mission wall in there in my office. And yeah, he didn't know, I didn't know he was setting me up. Every time I swung this hammer, I mean, I never had a hammer like this. I never even confessed that I wanted a hammer like this, but I like this hammer. Because, see, it's got a lot of force, and it drives nails really good. And then he gave it to me, and it says CCC house number six. And it's going to hang on the wall, but I want to show you, I want to tell you why I showed you this hammer. The old prophet Jeremiah, he says, my word is a hammer. And I want it to always be a symbol to me or anybody who walks in my office that the Word of God wants to frame you and me. Justin Jantz knows how to build houses. He builds them really good. He led us. Thank you, Justin. Our team was really gifted. Where we weren't gifted, other ones stood in the gap on our team, and, and we all praise God for Rodolfo. He covered a multitude of mistakes. But I pray today that you would let God frame your life. And part of that is to trust him with a tithe. Come on, church. You have heard the word of God. Will you obey it?